Okay, good morning. Uh, today is Thursday, October 15. Shu, meaning 15. Uh, and today we're going to continue reading of Chittakash Gita from Voice of the Self from MP Pandit, from Nityananda's verses and speakings. And we're on page 26, the last um, line of the last verse of the last class of the top of page 26, uh, his final comments or, or in the last verse, he said, gaze into your heart, giving up all desire with sight devoid of desire. Look, discard distinctions, burn up the idea of you and I. And so we're going to see that in the next set of verses that uh, I'll read today and going on in the next few weeks, obviously. Uh, there's some core principles in his teachings that can be determined that will be repeated in different ways in many verses. Uh, one is, the, is a kind of radical uh, equality um, of all appearance. Now, there's also a sharpened distinction between the outer and the inner, or the gross and the subtle. Um, in one way, you can see a lot of dualistic, what, you know, critics <laughs> would like to criticize, or being critically minded, analyzing, we can see both a reaffirmation of essential distinction between outer and inner, or gross and subtle, or material and spiritual or unimportant and essential so there's a separation but there's a combining so separate and combine right solve a coagula like the um, alchemical it's not necessarily evil the evil ones take things but before the evil ones took things took principles and teachings they were commonly used on the positive path or used in the, the divine way so dissolve and coagulate, uh, break apart and put together. Make distinction and see unity. Um, make dis discernment, discrimination. Discrimination is a word people don't like to say, or I cringe when I say discrimination because everybody thinks that's racism or sexism or something. The original use of the word is not uh, harming anyone or looking down on anyone, but actually discernment. To discriminate to see clearly subtle differences, uh, and particularly for spiritual path and spiritual teaching, we have to know what's essential and less important, what is uh, to the long-term welfare and benefit and what is not, what helps greatly and what helps just a bit, what harms greatly and what harms just a bit, uh, and then put together. And so that's what you're going to see a lot. And, and today we will get into some verses that are uh, big. Like there's actually one of the verses, I think at the end of page 27, that is nearly two pages long without a break. And he just went on uh, speaking, I assume, and they transcribed it, <clears throat> or they wrote it down. And I, um, we will start to see more clearly <laughs> as we get deeper into these uh, Gita songs, his utterances, 
how uh, Mr. Scott is not Nityananda. And so uh, I apologize or I simply acknowledge that uh, it's impossible for me to know deeply everything he says because I'm not at that level of attainment. And I don't mean to be uh, <clears throat> um, heretical <laughs> or... Um, that's not the word, actually. It's some kind of uh, some some kind of doing harm against um, a, a religious superior. Uh, but I'm just doing my best to try to understand what he said for you and me, and I think that's enough. Uh, and some of what he'll speak about is some of the intricacy of uh, Kundalini Yoga and Pranayama Yoga, a lot of Sanskrit terms. And yet a lot of the Sanskrit terms he use, uses, or you'll see being used, <clears throat> have multiple interpretations. And I am not sure of which interpretation he means, and I'm not sure of the range of interpretations. Uh, and some of what he says is clearly understandable, and some is very difficult to understand. And that's why uh, I initially didn't want to read Chittakashkita. It was sort of the last... Uh, matter uh, for attention for public reading in my mind for many years <clears throat> but it became clear as time went on that it would be fine to do so uh, given the proviso that um, some things he says I will misunderstand some will all at best will be partially explained <clears throat> but if you use intuition if you sit in meditation um deeper insight can come to everyone, to you, um, and to go beyond my limited understandings as well. So, uh, his final point here, burn up the idea of you and I, and that's, um, again, of the, of the, uh, the way of reuniting. And so let's see how this principle of dissolve, of, of discernment and proper unification, wise discernment and careful um, recognition of unity because it's not just combine it's see the unity of the pre-existing unity of <clears throat> and and much of it will be the outer the inner the gross the subtle the unimportant the important the material the spiritual um, what what goes down and what goes up and what goes up is what completes the seven chakra work. And what goes down keeps souls bound in third density. So, next utterance. And I'll just read these one at a time and then do commentary. In the beginning, one only was the religion promulgated by Shiva, or God. In the beginning, the distinction of man and woman obtained only in gross natures meaning physical, in the subtle there was none, they were one. The subtle has no quality, good or bad. The subtle sees only the eternal delight. Seeing and hearing are only delusions of the mind, there is nothing permanent in the world. So nothing permanent in the world, in the world of uh, perceiving only the gross. And yet we can say that the nature of the gross is the subtle, or uh, there's more to the reality of what appears than the appearance. 
uh, his usage of the term subtle doesn't just mean inner eye or um, intuitive knowing. It also means non-physical, non-physical, non-physical reality or the metaphysical. So Ra said, the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable, meaning the um, apparent two is one. And yet to come to that, one must first know that they are two. And so proper uh, uh, solve, <laughs> dissolving, and discernment doesn't mean break apart. It means see subtle distinction, uh, subtle, gross, outer, inner, um, uh, structure and function, <laughs> uh, um, activity and essence. <clears throat> uh, by wise and careful discernment, which is akin to solve, in term, at least in terms of comprehension, knowing, distinction then we come to a deeper ability to unify. So wise discernment precedes uh, realization of, of essential unity. So when he says the subtle has no quality, good or bad, frankly, I can't say I know what he means. Cannot say, or I must say, I do not know what he means. The subtle sees only eternal delight like Nityananda, endless Ananda, or endless bliss. So eternal delight... Um, may well have been his... He used the word Nityananda when he was speaking before the translation to English. And so if he said, the subtle sees only Nityananda, <laughs> um, some people in the room think, what? Hmm? Sees only you? And the translator may thought, hmm, uh, people will not think... People will think he's an egotist, or what the heck does he mean, the subtle sees only Nityananda? Yeah, he doesn't mean me. He means... Nityananda as endless bliss or eternal delight. Maybe. And what does that mean? The subtle sees only endless bliss or eternal delight. I can't say. I've not experienced eternal delight. I've, I've experienced temporary delight and bliss and um, non-duality and formlessness and um, uh, incomprehensible profundity of all meaning and all importance, all, you know, all, all precious, similar to Ross saying the all sacred or, or hallowed, hallowed and consecrate nature of everyday things. I've experienced that, but I don't really, uh, maybe that's the subtle that I've only tasted, but I don't, you know, have any permanent abode in that subtle. But normally subtle really means time, space, or the metaphysical, non-physical dimensions, or non-physical sight and knowing, which goes again back from manas to buddhi. So manas perceives and thinks on and conceives the, the gross, and buddhi um, acknowledges by wisdom or sees and knows the subtle. But that's still not the same as saying the subtle has no quality, good or bad. It's certainly true that beyond the dualism of what I like and what I don't like and what helps and doesn't help in time and space, Right? That's the good and bad. What I like is good, what I don't like is bad. What helps me is good, what hurts me is bad. What is of um, value on the path is good, and what's not is bad. Sure. Yet, there is no time and no space and no evolution from the perspective of non-duality. Now, is that what he means by the subtle? It may be. 
so, <clears throat> but it, it's also a common point in many traditions. In Taoism, they say the same thing that before the rites and rituals, uh, humans lived in accord with Tao uh, naturally, and when they fell away, there thereby was born rites and rituals and religions and laws, and all of that is a sign of a fall from grace. Same point, kind of point. <clears throat> so, going on, and this is uh, the quote that'll conclude page twenty-six. <clears throat> and again, Hari is a word that has many meanings in Hinduism, and I think he really means Hari as this world, or a portion of this world, or it is considered an aspect of this world, or Jambudvipa. So meaning the material or the gross. <clears throat> he said, Nityananda said, Hari is not the Lord, Shiva is the Lord. What is called Hari is Maya. The shadow is a delusion. The delusion of the fetters of Maya, delusion of the subtle and the delusion of the gross. The delusion of the gross and that of the subtle are the same. The delusion of the gross multiplies from moment to moment. It's a varied delusion. To hold this as separate from that is delusion. It is an illusion of your mind. Look rather to the delusion of the eternal delight in Nityananda in the heart. Look at the eternal self in the heart. Look, look, and again look. Look and speak what you have looked. Speak not what you have heard, Say, rather, what you yourself experience. What is heard is not eternal. What is heard is no true delight. The glory of experience and experience is the ananda, or bliss. <clears throat> so again, um, uh, solve, dissolve, discerning. There is gross, there is subtle, there is hari, there is lord, there is shiva, which is not hari which is not the gross. However, <laughs> from another level, he's first, so he first distinguishes gross from subtle, Hari from Shiva. Shiva's Lord, Hari is not, Hari is Maya. You can say that the gross or the physical, I mean, let's just say that Hari is a stand-in for physicality or space-time, <clears throat> the so-called gross. The gross physicality, physical, physical uh, phenomenal, phenomenal experience, physical phenomena, is not Godhead. Godhead is Shiva, which is the subtle. Um, yet, um, there is, uh, and so the outer gross, seeing it only, seeing it as the eternal is a maya illusion and a fetter. So delusion of the fetters of maya, fetter binding people, <clears throat> is a delusion, however, of both the subtle and the gross. <laughs> both. There's the delusion of the subtle and the delusion of the gross. The delusion of the gross is presuming that the physical world is totality. The delusion of the subtle is presuming that it only is Godhead and presuming that it is separate from or eternally different and not of the same true nature as the gross. 
So there's spiritual materialism and physical social materialism. Physical social materialism is, you know, salivation at the new watch. Ooh, it's a $5,000 watch. I feel my mouth is salivating. Or any sensual pleasure object or social relations. And yeah, man, you got that. You got that promotion. Everyone will now look up to you. Now I can buy $500 leather shoes. <clears throat> there are people like that, you know. So uh, the delusion of the gross seems to be the belief that the gross is totality and of supreme value and there is no subtle. The, the, the materialism of the subtle, the, the delusion of the subtle, seems to be uh, a hatred of the gross and a notion that the gross, you know, never the twain shall meet. The subtle is superior and the gross is disgusting only and God is in the subtle but not in the gross and the subtle and the gross never the twain shall meet there in enemies my body is my enemy the world is an enemy those attached to the matrix are our enemies neo something like that uh, not realizing the identity of the gross and the subtle with their source and so the delusion of the gross multiplies from moment to moment uh, but but the delusion of the gross and the delusion of the subtle are the same. So, spiritual bypassing, spiritual materialism, uh, uh, loving the high and hating the low, believing that God is in the temple and nowhere else. These are delusions. So, to hold this as separate from that is delusion. So, a delusion of the spiritual or subtle is that the subtle is not the gross. Huh? I thought you said... They're different. Yeah, they are. From the perspective of getting free of delusions of the gross, one must know that there is a subtle. From the perspective of getting free of attachment to the subtle, one must know that ultimately all is one. And so there's no ultimate separation of this from that. To separate this from that, including the gross from the subtle, is delusion also. Illusion of the mind. Look rather to the delusion, so-called, of eternal delight in the heart. <clears throat> so rather than getting caught in materialism, nor caught in a kind of naive or um, um, suppressive and rejective spiritualism, spiritual materialism, spiritual bypassing, uh, look to the joy in your mind. Look to the joy of your true nature. Look to joy. Look to find yourself. The moment contains love, said Ra. Find yourself. <laughs> don't worry about the outer and don't worry about the inner. Find yourself. Don't worry about the gross and the subtle. Uh, realize what you are. And then he, then there's this more teaching on authenticity. <clears throat> uh, not only look to eternal delight in the in heart or chitakash or eternal self in the heart. Um, don't be a don't be a fool and don't be a fraud. Um, speak what you've seen. Don't speak what you've heard. Speak from experience, and don't don't be a, a, a poseur, a spiritual yogic poseur, and presume that uh, your talk of enlightenment is enlightenment. Unless you've experienced, we don't know. Unless you've experienced, you don't know. <clears throat> Speak what you've experienced, and and you know, be honest about uh, these ideas. Seem right to me, but I haven't actually experienced ever bliss. 
or non-duality or selflessness. And so the glory of experience and experience is bliss. So <clears throat> beyond gross and subtle. Top of page 27. Find out who you are. Find it out. Other is not the truth. Cultivate the samma. Now samma may be same or equality. I'm not sure. Reach out to your core. Sense of distinction is not the truth. In your word shall be sameness. <clears throat> Burn up the physical sight and look. What causes suffering at the time of death is this sense of separateness. He may have been addressing uh, one or several devotees' particular personal process in this verse, actually. But again, it's more talk on authenticity. And don't be a don't don't fake it. What you know, <clears throat> you what 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 you've experienced is what you can know. What you haven't experienced, you have to say you don't quite know. And even if we've experienced it, we only know some. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And again, while buddhi or or inner sight or careful discernment wisdom, I mean, there is a lot of discernment in wisdom. Yet, the sense of distinction is not the truth. So there's the truth of the distinction between gross and subtle. And the distinction, <clears throat> the seeing, one little phlegm, the seeing that the outer is not totality. Uh, that's a distinction. Uh, and yet, holding only to this <clears throat> the distinction of the material and the spiritual or the gross and the subtle or the outer and the inner, or <clears throat> the lower and the upper, staying stuck there, one never realizes non-duality. And so, once you acknowledge the relativity, the relative value and importance and, re and reality, the mayic illusory, relative illusory nature of the gross, uh, burn up the physical sight and look. Look what? <laughs> look with the eyes of the subtle. Seeing what? <clears throat> well, cultivate sama, the oneness, sameness, which is um, get beyond this very hard uh, presumption, kind of a very deep mind presumption of differentness. There's this and there's that and there's the other and this and that and good and bad and up and down and I and that, I and you and pop pop pop. That's why Ross says self and other self. That is a statement of non from non duality that beings are all the one self and it's either this one or the other one. <clears throat> we have big wind today and uh, the great bamboo is uh, shedding some old uh, branches or old, I don't know what you call it, bamboo pole? <laughs> I don't know the name of the trunk, bamboo trunks. Um, anyway, it's, uh, you know, the, the seasons have their own logic, obviously, and so uh, the winds of mid-autumn uh, clear some of the uh, stasis of, of summer and prepare the way for the uh, rest phase, recuperative phase of winter, which prepares itself for 
the blossom coming forth of springtime where there are winds as well the spring winds uh, end the winter and prepare for spring the autumn winds um, conclude the summer and prepare for winter and likewise the rain likewise the sun uh, do their work today to uh, support what uh, was born yesterday or what was what was seeded yesterday born today uh, as preparation for tomorrow <clears throat> so anyway <laughs> now uh, page 27 um, not yet the massive quote uh, getting ready for that. So, mid-page 27, Voice of the Self, Nityananda said, Seeing inequality is the upward breath at the time of death. It is impartite. I'm not sure what that word was. Impartite. It is delight supreme, the subtle, the permanent. In the breath upward, so we're talking about upward breath. In the breath upward, there is no hiccup. This is a breath upward is Kundalini coming up. Breath meaning prana. In the breath upward, there is no hiccup. O Lord, O Shiva, harmonize the ingoing and the outgoing breath. That's uh, pana apana. Ana pana sati. Ana pana. Or ana apana. Pana apana sati. This is Sanskrit or Pali for in breath or up. In breath, down breath. In breath, out breath, or incoming, outgoing, or in, uh, d down and up, both. It's pretty much in, and I, I don't know what uh, he might say, but I might say um, in and down, out and up. The incoming breath goes down, the outgoing breath goes up. We're talking about Kundalini and Prana here. There's physical breath coming in and out. There's pranic air going up and down. Uh, there's an up and down with both the in-breath and the out-breath, or the incoming and outgoing, actually. So, let me read it without interrupting. Seeing inequality is the upward breath at the time of death. Seeing inequality. It is impartite, or, um, um, I don't know, it is impartite, Delight supreme, the subtle, the permanent. In the breath upward, there is no hiccup. Lo, O Lord, O Shiva, harmonize the ingoing and the outgoing breath. Laud or praise. Laud in the head. Laud in the ocean of eternal joy. Laud in the Ida, Pingala, and the Sushumna, Nadis, the three channels on the back. O Kundalini of Ananda, bliss rise the match is in the box the light is in the match rub the stick light the fire darkness is ignorance avidya light is knowledge so it's actually darkness is avidya light is vidya kundalini and here it's not translated as kundalini it's put, written as kundali kundali that may be the root of Kundalini. Kundali is eternal delight. Kundali is the eternal delight in the heart. Right? Heart is uh, Hridayakash, perhaps. Kundalini, or Kundali, is ablaze with the light of a million suns. Kundali is the light of the Supreme 
the light of the sun, the light of the subtle. Three are the nadis of Surya, and I think Surya is sun. Sushumna, central channel, of the moon, Pingala, of the stars, Ida. The nadi of the third eye is the nadi of Yana. Yana means knowledge, very similar to uh, Vidya. So, Yani is the knower, which can be the person on the path of Yana Yoga, which is basically the path, it's, it's um, commonly considered study, <laughs> but as far as I know, so Raja Yoga as, the, as a meditative yogic path, Yana Yoga as a study-based spiritual path, but the kind of knowing here is not book learning, obviously, it's um, knowing reality. And so, uh, yana is knowing, uh, akin to the word knowledge. And again, we don't know the original words he's used in all cases. Saying that um, light is knowledge may actually be light is, is yana. So, uh, seeing inequality in equality. One, same, sameness seeing. Same as Sama before. And so again, there, is the three, there are the three channels that are associated with energy or breath upward, or Kundali, or Kundalini, which is Prana. Prana is um, the energy, um, the, the, uh, the essential energy of all life, of all, that, that circulates in all gross and subtle objects and people and um, phenomena. There, there's no gross and subtle phenomena without prana. And the path of uh, self-transformation or perfection or move to mukshi, mukti and moksha, liberation, salvation, Buddhist called unbinding or nirvana, the deathless, is akin to the path of the upward breath from uh, root to crown. And while there's while there can be said to be three major channels up the spine, etheric, non-physical, carrying prana or of prana, uh, the central sushumna is more important, uh, or at least is associated with uh, awakening and perfection of the seven chakras. Uh, energy, circuit from root to crown, completed, or the ascent of kundalini to the crown, or the union of shiva shakti, shakti, Kundalini, Kundalini Shakti up the spine, uniting in Brahmarandra or seventh chakra, um, Shiva at the crown, at the top. And while that's a metaphysical process, um, the mental, <laughs> pro mental portion of it, like conduct and view, uh, need much work too. And so Buddhism does not focus on the mechanical, the, the metaphysical mechanical, the mechanics of the, mecha, of the metaphysical energetics like kundalini or prana or yogic movement and activity and chakras. Buddhism focuses on conduct and view. Uh, conduct, right conduct by restraint and right view and right view um, by right practice <laughs> and right practice leading to freedom from all um, harmful tendency uh, as well as a perfection of the energy system. But uh, 
it comes naturally in time, breaking the ten fetters. So different conceptions of the path, but it's the same work. <clears throat> so again, the contrast between light and dark, and um, that the way of um, self-realization in Kundalini Yoga, as well as uh, the goal of uh, Advaita Vedanta, which as self-realization, realizing you know the union of param of, of Jivatman and Paramatman is very much the practice, it comes very much in this tradition from the practice of harmonizing incoming and outgoing breath, which is upward and downward pranic movement in, in particularly the central channel. <clears throat> the, there's a nice phrase here, the match is in the box, the light in the match. Rub the stick, light the fire. <laughs> so the match that that goes from that that generates the transformative element of fire. So the match is a physical phenomena, physical object, uh, whose capa- who <clears throat> a physical object whose function um, is significantly the generation of the transformative element of fire. Uh, we may. Um, light my fire. <laughs> we may light our own fire. Come on, baby, light my fire, said uh, 1966 or so. <clears throat> you can still hear that song on YouTube. I think it's um, some guy. I forgot it. Jose, somebody. But that's a real classic. Come on, baby, light my fire. I mean, you really want to see what the 60s were all about. Listen to that in black and white. So the match is in the box, the box of the body. The box of the physical gross form includes a match. <laughs> the match is very much like um, the potentials of root chakra um, to uh, generate an energy flow that that reaches the crown center. Uh, light is in the match. The light is in the fire. Actually, the the match struck generates fire, the heart of the fire is light, and um, when prana um, is struck, or the, the generation of pranic fire, the awakening of pranic fire, the direction of pranic fire from root to crown, um, brings the light of knowledge, of yana, and that's the nadi of the third eye, the energy channel, nadi is not chakra, it's an energy line or, or channel. The energy channel of the third eye is the energy channel of um, knowledge or vidya or jnana or realization, gnosis. It's not just knowing this and that, it's actually gnosis. Jnana is better translated as gnosis or gnosis as essential spiritual knowing. <clears throat> so that's a process that we... Um, we do when we're seeking love wisdom, whether we do pranayama or not. Now, to the massive utterance at the bottom of page 27. <clears throat> this one goes through the end of 27, all through page 28, and from and page 29 nearly to the bottom. So it's nearly two full pages. So let me read it all. And um, this may be the final verse for commentary today. 
So Nityananda said, bottom of page 27, <clears throat> knowledge, and this may be yana, knowledge is in this nadi, energy channel, in this nadi is sleep. In this nadi is the sushupti. There is no wakefulness in sushupti. Get to this sushupti. Uniting the inward and outward breath, resort carefully to the subtle sleep. That's what we're talking about here is sleep, and sushupti as a subtle sleep. Uniting the inward and outward breath, resort carefully to the subtle sleep. See true delight, Ananda, in the inward and outward breaths harmonized. Attain to it. The seat of breath is the truth, Sat. Within is the expanse of the sky, Akash. Inside of it is the tower of eternal delight. This tower of eternal bliss, and again I think it's Nityananda, this tower of eternal bliss is the seat of peace. Sleep consciously in the gross sleep, not the sleep of the beast, but have the sleep of man. Sleep which is the aim of life, sleep of consecration. So sleep as um, freedom from all lower functions of mind, um, unified in, in vidya and jnana. Sleep consciously in the gross sleep, not in the not the sleep of the beast, but have the sleep of man, sleep which is the aim of life, sleep of consecration, talking or sitting, sleep without ideas, without thoughts, sleep placing the breath in sleep without any other objective. Do the japa, which is like... Uh, mantric repetition or chanting, do the japa of the inward and the outward breath. Cultivate bhakti devotion in the mind. Attain liberation. Have boundless bhakti. Confine the breath and draw it upward and downward. Right, pranayama. Drawing up the breath is rechaka. Suspending it, holding it, is kumbhaka. This kumbhaka is your station breath suspension or breath retention. Letting the breath down is puraka. So you've got three phases of breath practice. Rechaka, kumbhaka, puraka. Um, drawing it up or in, I think. up. Maybe it's up and in, is rechaka. Holding it, retention is kumbhaka. And that this kumbhaka is your station. Letting the breath down or out is puraka. While breathing in, Draw up as water from a well. Draw up the breath to the Brahmarandra. Okay, so in-breath goes up. By this in-breathing and out-breathing, kindle the fire. Kundalini. Purify all the nadis. Burn up the wind, bile, and phlegm in that fire. Deliberation is the fire, the yoga fire, the fire digestive in the stomach, the fire of deliberation is the luster of the sun. The universe is truly of the nature of the consciousness of the Supreme. But this world, as it appears, is a figment of the mind. Creation 
is an ideation of the mind. There is no creation to the consciousness of equality in all. The subtle state is the same for all creatures, mobile and immobile. There is difference only in causation. Distinctions are a delusion. The difference is only in the bodies. The bodies are transient. The prakriti is of maya. To perceive the subtle in the gross is indivisible liberation. The indivisible without division is liberation. Liberation, mukti, is the sky of the heart. So liberation is hridayakash. In the heart is the shivalingam, the self-existent. The chief prana is self-existent. And the chief is the upward breath, the pranavayu. What is as prana is as or is the one. What is as prana is the one. What exists also is one. To those who practice and see, it is one. For those who do not practice, there is only the experience of bondage. Withdraw desire from the bonds and attain liberation while living. Realize the truth. Turn the eye round and see the truth. He who so turns inward the mind, or chitta, is the purush. In him is the universe. He is in the universe. A mind involved in the world is not steady. What is steady is the Shiva in the heart. Shiva is the Omkara, Omkar. And Omkar is the form of prana, Pranava. Pranava is what has form. Omkara is the dissociation of the bodily feeling. Omkara is all-pervading, like the dawn of the sun is Omkara. Omkara is the witness of all. Omkara is the most frightful of forms. Omkara is Agni, fire. There is nothing superior to Agni. Agni is actually the god of fire. There is nothing superior to Agni in all the universe. All is Agni within and without. In the middle is the earth, below is the earth, above is the Vayu, or air. The Vayu is in the universe, the universe is in the Vayu. First is Vayu, second Agni. First is thought, second is sound. Soundlessness is in the form of Vayu, meaning silence. Soundlessness is eternal bliss. It is Satchitananda, Satchitananda. In soundlessness shall be merged yourself. All that is visible is the self. In the self, when Chit and Sat are joined, there is Ananda, the Ananda of discrimination, Ananda of consciousness, Ananda of Brahman, Ananda of the Supreme, the Ananda eternal, Satchitananda. That is manhood. That is knowledge of Brahman, knowledge of yoga, knowledge of time. That is the knowledge of the triple time in the heart. In the heart lies liberation, the liberation of eternal delight. So, 
um, a lot of points are made here. Uh, initially, there's a discussion of sleep. Sleep doesn't mean lying in your bed, you know, unconscious to the world. Here, we're talking about yogic sleep, but he's not really talking about a certain practice. He's talking about freedom from the discriminative, um, dualizing mind. Freedom from the, um, the, 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 the tyranny of manas. <laughs> freedom from the tyranny of manas. And, and Hinduism very much is a straight teaching on non-duality. I mean, that's why they call it Advaita Vedanta. So Advaita means not Vaita, means not two, not dual Vedanta. And mm, getting beyond talk of gods is ultimate. Using the words of the gods and the various complex techniques of pranayama yoga, he's really <laughs> encouraging um, the uh, awareness of sama or equality I mean, he said, all, all, all here are God. You know, you are all gods. I mean, I think Jesus said something like that too. So, the point is, all is one. And the one is the infinite creator, and therefore all beings are manifestations of the one infinite creator. All beings' truest, deepest nature, true nature, essential, core identity, most uh, complete um, uh, identity without distortion, true nature without distortion, complete and whole and perfect nature of all beings is infinity or the one. And knowing that is akin to sleep. And so knowing that, not just talking about it, <laughs> knowing it, then talking about it, or knowing it, here I'm talking about it, Maybe I've tasted it a bit, but I don't live in that. Uh, but living in that is akin to living asleep. But it's not stupid sleep or the sleep of a beast. It's not sleep of ignorance. It's the sleep of not making falsehood, not believing in maya, not even recognizing a distinction, perhaps, of maya and, and sat or vidya. Beyond all... Um, illusory distinction, dualism, um, and, and then eventually work to do. Finishing all the work to do is being finished with duality, being finished with uh, making two of what is one, and eventually making one out of what is infinitely, it is infinite and inconceivable. Even making one has to be dropped. And I, I'm sure he would understand that. <laughs> I think that's true. So in this nadi, the, the, the nadi of yana from the last verse, the nadi of the third eye, right, ajna chakra, the nature of consciousness in third eye is uh, the yana that he's speaking of, the, the consciousness of six ray, the mind of six ray the quality of awareness associated with six chakra. Here is called knowledge, which is either vidya or yana. At least he's clearly saying, they translated, they clearly put the word yana. So it's gnosis, it's realization. Of what? Of oneness. 
which is what? Which is that while there is a gross and a subtle um, uh, all is one life and uh, all is um, dancing <laughs> vibratory form uh, of light and color and sound and shadow um, that has um, a, a, an inconceivable true nature. And so talking about uh, no wakefulness in Sushupti, uh, wakefulness doesn't, I'm not sure if he's using that in a negative way as contrasting with sleep, but he's certainly putting together uh, teaching, some, some very basic core teaching on pranayama practice, right, breath yoga, prana yoga, pranayama practice, uniting inward and upward breath, resort carefully to the subtle sleep. The subtle sleep is the sleep of the monastic functions of mind that are ever discriminating and judging and dualizing. And so, uh, and then there are states of samadhi where, I mean, I had this experience where I felt every single in-breath, I felt um, a surge of joy. It was very weird. <laughs> I mean, I really felt every single in, for a certain period of time in that samadhi, every time I breathed in, I felt pulsed with joy. And it was like, hey, I'd like to stay here forever. But of course, it was about to end with that thought, but it was really quite remarkable. Uh, resort carefully to subtle sleep. The sleep of um, the mind free of agitation and unhelpful or um, unhelpful uh, unhelpful discriminations. Now, that's not racist discrimination. That's all silly. It's actually the dualizing function and the judging and the functions of mind akin to manas or manasic function that obscure the union of the gross and the subtle and um, remain, in, remain in, in some kind of basic spiritual ignorance by attachment. So the seat of the breath is sat, <laughs> the seat of your breath. I mean, where does breath come from? Where does prana come from? It eventually, it ultimately comes from, from Godhead or Creator or Source. And within, within the seat of breath is truth or sat. And that's um, where you'll find bliss. And that's where he goes regularly explaining Satchitananda that when chit is in sat, there is ananda. When chit or um, consciousness, let's say, is in sat or truth or reality. Because it's really, what truth? It's the truth of reality as it is beyond mental over overlay, beyond conceptualization, without fourth skanda sankharic fermentations, without uh, volitional compounds and overlay, without affirmation and negation. <laughs> Let's hear Nagarjuna's portion. Beyond affirmation and negation is beyond manasic function. The buddhi um, is free. His understanding of buddhi, I think, would be associated with mind knowing beyond 
conceptual affirmation and negation. Not saying it is, but knowing what is. Not saying it isn't, but knowing what is. <laughs> saying or not saying, but knowing. Uh, and um, there, there is um, the union of chit and sat. Awareness or consciousness, you know, starting with self-consciousness or subjective consciousness, sat. We go to universal awareness, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chit. So chit as awareness or chitta, like chittakash. Chit as awareness or consciousness starts with subjective consciousness and goes to transpersonal universal awareness, chit. Um, when it goes out of the subjective to the universal, um, we're talking about knowing sat, which is so-called truth, but it's it, it very much like dhamma or dharma too. But it's not a thing, it's not an idea. It's the truth that reality is as it is, independent of conception, independent of affirmation and negation. That's the point. You can affirm and you can negate, have a good time. But actually, reality is what it is. You are all dancing thoughts, said Ra. Right? The illusion of limits, the concept of light. So, even light, the substance of form, and the substance of thought, or the basis of thought as light, is an illusion, is a concept. So, all all that appears uh, limited is illusory, or that appearance of limitation is illusion. And it's basically... Um, established by light, intelligent energy, which is prana, which is itself illusory or conceptual as well. The crea creation, <laughs> the, the apparent substantiality of creation is illusory because it's a concept in the mind of, of the creator. <laughs> it's the appearance of finity, which is ultimately just um, Godhead dreaming, like California dreaming, it's Godhead dreaming, dreaming the octaves. You know, Godhead, California dreaming, uh, 1970, <laughs> Southern California beaches, very special, very golden sun. Um, it's uh, logoic dreaming, the um, illusory, conceptual, vibrational, and yet essentially divine, uh, multi-dimensional display of light. So, sleep consciously in the gross sleep, uh, not the sleep of an animal, but the sleep of man. And, and uh, many spiritual teachers um, in India, in Hinduism and Buddhism, commonly frame the spiritual path as the, tr the, the path of the hero or the true man. A woman, man, whatever, gender, but it really means um, a, a, hu a person, a mind, a being, <laughs> a human being is not a true man. Um, anthropos, or man, man as the root of manas, man as the root of mind, the fivefold mind that um, can live like a beast and also go beyond all the gods. That is the nature of man. And so the true man, or human, the fulfillment of the human promise, 
is complete is to is to be a completely awakened being and so then he goes into uh sleep which is the aim of life <laughs> oh yeah well that's the slackers slackers uh motto sleep is the <laughs> is uh, the way they live but not he doesn't mean that sleep sleep of consecration talking or sitting sleep without ideas without thoughts and that explains it very clearly uh freedom from discursive mind uh, a mind resting in equanimity hey hey samatha uh samadhi ek upeka equanimity right samatha as um tranquility and samadhi is calm abiding or peaceful mind concentrated clear you know non grasping attentiveness sati sati is the way sati is i mean mindfulness sati anapanasati sati is the practice that leads to samadhi and equanimity upeka and shamatha you know tranquility uh and a a relative sleep you know spiritual sleep that sees and can knows but is not caught by endless discriminations endless discernings or endless <clears throat> monkey-minded jumpings and thinkings sleep placing the breath sleep placing the breath and sleep without any other objective hmm. place the breath and sleep uh some of what he's teaching <laughs> he's talking about are very or subtle subtle practices which he probably explained to anyone in the room if they asked in after this uh do the japa of the inward now word breath it's a very interesting reformulation of the term japa japa beads like little um seeds of certain tree seeds as bracelets for mantra practice uh do the the mantric repetitions of inward now word breath that's that's enough japa you don't have to do it with sound or deity praise but there's also the inward and upward inward and outward breath inward means coming in outward means going out it does seem that the inward goes up and the outward goes down but they can be reversed depends on the practice cultivate bhakti or devotion in mind attain liberation attain liberation by way of devotion to your practice uh devotion to seeking the goal devotion to the guru for the purpose uh, associated with a devotion to to complete attainment have boundless bhakti confine the breath draw it upward and downward that's straight up pranayama practice and not buddhism at least not theravada buddhism then there's the bringing it in and holding it and putting it out and uh, this is specific practice but would need much more and people can get into big big trouble doing pranayama practice alone or without a teacher or uh, carelessly without adequate study preparation understanding so then we've got the whole notion of fire um fire is actually very interesting in the sequence of elements commonly it's earth water fire air third chakra related to fire fourth chakra related to air the transmutation of water earth is by fire to air air is vayu fire is agni and so the lower or the gross 
is burned up or transmuted into the higher value, which is ultimately ether and then uh, associated with um, higher quality prana or pranic flow by fire. Fire is the uh, transformative element uh, from the bridge from lower to higher. Fire is critical. And um, in theosophy, there's a whole set of teachings about Agni Yoga. It's basically conceptual, but it's um, very interesting. Agni Yoga. From um, I never got into it. Only certain, <laughs> certain unusual people get into Agni Yoga um, studies. But they're very, there's probably a lot of deep truth there. So, um, so the practice of moving to sleep and f- freeing oneself ultimately from uncontrolled monastic function. And that means also lower chakra blockage. And that also means neurosis and obsessions and compulsions and mistaken assumptions and distorted beliefs of self and d- distorted desires and uh, various aspects of grasping, aversion, ignorance, or the three unwholesome roots, all of the ashravas and effluence and the cankers and the, the um, kleshas, so the kleshas and the asravas, asavas, ashravas, uh, kleshas, the, all the distorted karmic biases and distorted preferences and countless tendencies of uh, desire and aversion. Um, need to be burned up. And the burning up is basically clearing lower chakra blockage. It's the same. And that can be done by pranayama practice, although people can get into big trouble with it. It's also done simply by um, paying attention to conduct and view and spiritual practice. Sila Samadhi Prajna on the Buddhist way. Same, same. All right, particularly Sila and Samadhi do the work of lower triad blockage clearance, clearing the lower three chakras blockage, which is also called self-healing or healing and balance. Healing by way of balance, the balance of the wisdom and the development of uh, those higher qualities of mind associated with love and wisdom, fourth and fifth chakra, as the way of clearing the lower three. Um, there, There's a lot of danger when you use um, forcing techniques to clear um, um, ener- pranic blockages, pranic, nadi blockages, and chakra, chakra blockages, and nadi obstruction, and force, uh, seek to force kundalini or prana from root to crown. Uh, a lot of people get into trouble, and I would never recommend it. But um, these, this is, you know, that that's a pranayama yoga versus Buddhism or Anapanasati or Sati sati mindfulness as a way of burning up (laughs) the lower chakra blockages or releasing the blockages and burning up uh, earth and water to turn into ether or air. Um, It's safer (laughs) Uh, and a little bit more peaceful and doesn't require exactly the same relation of a guru as this type of teaching. But it could be, Buddhism could be called Raja Yoga, going from Sila Samadhi Prajna, virtue, ethics, morality, right restraint, right speech, action, conduct, livelihood, Sila, supporting meditation, Samadhi, on to Prajna, wisdom, insight, awakening, release. 
um, it's a different conceptualization of path from Buddhism to his kind of pranayama yoga Advaita Vedanta. Um, but the goal is the same, I have no doubt. <laughs> Uh, the universe is truly of the nature of the consciousness of the Supreme, right? So all creational phenomena uh, is Godhead, <laughs> yeah. But this world, as it appears, is a figment of mind. And so um, the appearance of the world is um, not separate from Godhead or Satchitananda, in the sense that reality is not broken by the physical gross appearance, or God, you know, all the, the <laughs> all is one, and therefore there's nothing outside of of the one infinite creator or Godhead or divinity, whatever that means, or source, source as perfection and whole. There's nothing outside that. There's nothing bad, actually. But uh, to see it, the, to only see it the way we see it is a figment of the mind or illusion. To see the gross as only the gross or the gross as the all is maya. To, to, to see the gross as a um, cover of the subtle and as another face of the divine is a little bit less mayak. But again, you know, it, it. we can talk, but it's better to talk what we have experienced, and I haven't fully experienced the union of the gross and the subtle. There is no creation to the consciousness of equality in all. <laughs> eh? Creation is an ideation of the mind. So the world as it appears is a figment of the mind, but it's not outside of the divine. Creation is ideation of the mind, but it's still not outside the divine or it's not outside Godhead or perfection. And its nature is uh, the subtle. <laughs> the, the nature of the gross is the subtle, and the nature of the subtle is, is boundlessness, is infinity. The subtle, is, the subtle state is the same for all creatures, mobile and immobile, he said. There's difference only in causation. Yeah, so causes lead to different form or different consequences different cause, different consequence. And the consequences are shown by the differentiation of forms and phenomena and beings. Bodies are transient. That prakriti is sort of um, elemental force, or uh, elementals, uh, kind of a the nature of the gross is of maya. But to perceive the subtle in the gross is indivisible liberation. Okay, so yes, there's the gross... Uh, but one can perceive the subtle in the gross, or one can perceive, um, you know, the jewel in the lotus. Om um, Mani Padme Hum. Mani Padme is the jewel in the lotus. The jewel in the lotus is the subtle akin to, the subtle in the gross, the divine in the profane, the sacred in the profane, the sacred nature of the profane. The... Um, infinite nature of all that appears finite and um, and transient. <clears throat> um, at the beginning of the movie Dead Man, there's a quote on that. So, 
let's see. Oh, we got to end here. So, towards the end of this long statement, uh, well, uh, again, a couple of points of guidance, as he's given, as always. To those who practice and see, it is one. And so, it is one, meaning the oneness of the gross and the subtle. And while you can attain that by careful working with pranavayu, prana, energy, wind, or air, the energy within the element of air, um, one doesn't need that. So what is as prana is the one, what exists also is the one, everything is one. Uh, to those who don't practice, there's only the desire, the experience of bondage, right? And so liberation is an unbinding, Buddhism, unbinding, deathless. So complete and perfect enlightenment is an unbinding and a liberation from bondage. The bondage of wrong view, the bondage of self-harm, the bondage of ignorance, the bondage of suffering and dukkha. So withdraw desire from the bonds and attain liberation while living. Again, I think <laughs> very few people know how much is involved in that. And um, it's a count <laughs> infinitely more easy to say than do. Realize, sat, turn the eye around and see the truth, right? So um, much of spiritual practice and spiritual perspective and the spiritual life or spiritualization of mind is um, focusing awareness on the seer, not simply the so-called outer and seen. See the seer. Let the seer see itself, then the seer will find um, its nature. You know, see yourself and you'll know yourself, but if you keep looking outside, you'll lose yourself, right? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his self? And so lose his soul. So gain the outer lose the inner essential, seek the inner and the essential, and one can master the outer if one has any interest in it, or at least one can work well in the outer. In him, he who so turns the mind is the purush, sat purush. Uh, purush is like person. Uh, sat purush is true person. Another term can be for atman, another term for logos, or paramatman in the atman, or you know, the the true nature of jiva, soul, reincarnating is Atman. So when that's known, we have jivatman. Sixth density. You know, union with higher self or that condition. Then one, that entity evolves through the octave to eight. Eighth density becomes one with par, paramatman or logos. And um, that's purush. Sat purush is uh, the logos, actually. In him is the universe. He is in the universe. He is the universe. A mind involved in the world is not steady. The world is the all in Buddhism. And freedom is freedom from this all. Then Shiva is Omkara. Omkara again is like um, the karma or karma of Om. The Om making. Which is really letting there be light. Speaking the Logos. The Logos as the word as the being that speaks the word and the word itself. And the God was with the Logos and the, the word was with God and the word was God. So the word like Omkara or Om being spoken is Omkara. So the speaking of Om is Omkar or Omkara. The nature of that Om 
is its source, is the one who speaks the Om, which is, uh, you know, Parabrahman, Paramatman, uh, Godhead, Source, Intelligent Infinity. Um, what is steady is Shiva in the heart. And Shiva in the heart is Omkara. And so there's the linkage between heart and then heart space or heart field, Kridayakash, close to Chittakash, same, really. Um, Kridayakash is in Chittakash, or they're really not so different. It's the heart-mind, right? Chittakash is Kridayakash, as far as I can tell, whether it's in the physical heart or in the third eye. Because the, 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 the fully enlightened being, or, or what, you know, at least, <laughs> the one who dwells in six chakra and all the other chakras are fully developed or maximally developed, has no distinction between sixth chakra and fourth. The, the, the qualities of fourth chakra, fourth and fifth, love wisdom is fully unified in the full development of sixth ray. So, anyway, um, he also says omkara is agni, and that's very, very interesting, meaning there's a burning quality, um, fire, uh, to the omkara itself. And so, the universe is not a static field of multidimensional light. It's actually a um, shimmering tapestry that has certain qualities of fire. Um, it's self-transmutation, self-transmuting. Um, multidimensional octaves um, have a self-transmutational quality. The, the nature of light itself is uh, self self-transformative is tran is is of continual transubstantiation so prana is intrinsically um, self-transforming um, that's actually the basis of consciousness I mean consciousness itself is a reaction to lights reflective activity or lights reflective activity gives rise to consciousness so, haha, if you know what I mean. So, Vayu is in the universe. The universe is in Vayu. It just goes on and on and on, and the time as well. So, <laughs> take a look, you know. There's much more to say just on this one massive utterance uh, verse that ends in the middle of 29. And um, it's uh, <laughs> lovely and... Um, extremely rich spiritual teaching here so check it out for yourself <laughs> first is thought second is sound and soundlessness is in the form of the wind or air mm -hmm. soundlessness is eternal bliss so nityananda is soundlessness even though he did a lot of talking here so with that said <laughs> and unsaid let's call it a day next time we'll pick up at the beginning, at the end of page 29. I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks to all involved. Please take good care of yourselves, and good night. <laughs>